In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Many of us have probably been involved with projects from large to small. It might be something as small as landscaping a flower bed in the backyard to something larger, like building a two-story house. Perhaps it was a restoration project of some sort. Or maybe, because of where we lived, it involved laying a pipeline that was several hundred miles long. Usually, at least when I've been involved with projects or conferences or things of that nature, there's great excitement about the happening, about the planning of it, about the kickoff events, like who's going to join the first two boards with a nail, or who's delivering the opening speech. And then you find yourselves in the throes of the project. If you're building a house, the wiring and the insulation are in. The trenches are dug for the pipeline. The awards banquet at the closing of the conference is done. And it's all over. Life gets back to something we might consider normal. Desks are cleared. The house becomes a home. The pipeline is flowing. And guests for the conference have flown back from whence they came. And sometimes there is a fatigue that sets in. It's a combination of exhaustion, relief, maybe even joy about everything that has happened. Or, if you're like me, part of the process is running through a checklist of everything that turned out well and also things that need to be improved on next time. But the important part of the end game is the rest and reflection that comes from any task, large or small, and taking stock of everything that happened. Our gospel passage begins where we ended two weeks ago, when Jesus sent his disciples out in pairs. If you recall, Jesus tells them to take nothing for the journey except a walking stick. He also gave some instructions about how to receive hospitality and what to do with a city that would not receive them. And that passage, Mark 6, 12 and 13, ends with this. So they went out and proclaimed that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and cured them. The disciples have now returned from their mission, and we can imagine that they were filled with excitement. Mark doesn't give all the details of the missionary expedition. We know that they taught, and we can begin to surmise that they healed the sick and cast out demons based on these two related passages. But then Jesus suggests something rather curious. Jesus tells them to go on retreat or on a sabbatical. Let's think back for a minute to parts of the Old Testament that many of you probably know, probably know quite well. In Genesis, we have the account of God creating the world in six days. 
And that once creation was completed, God not only rested from all his work, but he sanctified an entire day. God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it. Because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Then, Moses brought the children of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. They came to Mount Sinai for the giving of the law, the Mosaic Covenant. Part of that law is what we call the Ten Commandments, or the Ten Words. And one of those commandments calls to mind the creation account. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your sons or your daughter, your male or your female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Built into creation itself, and something that is a command for us to do, is to take rest. Taking rest, taking a Sabbath, is crucial for us as human beings to do. Taking time to recuperate from six days of labor and work, six days of dealing with the anxiety and stress of the week, six days also of projects and joys is important for us. And with that seventh day being consecrated and set aside means it is holy. It is not an optional addendum to the week. And the Sabbath was not the day for only rest and relaxation, but it was also the day for the praise and extolling of God for all the works and wonders he has done. Something that you yourself and I have been taking an active role into each week when we do our own labor. It is one of the ways that we imitate God so that we can become more God-like. God works, we work. God rests, we rest. In the earliest days of Christianity, most of the followers of the way were Jews who had converted to Christianity. And many of the Christians continued to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath, which was Friday night and Saturday. They would follow the customs of the Jews and rest from their labors and honor the Sabbath. Then on Sunday, the Lord's Day, they would rise early in the morning for this fellowship, this Eucharistic feast, before they headed to work. Over time, this custom has changed 
somewhat. One thing I would remind you of is our daily offices of morning and evening prayer each have a collect for Saturday that recalls this bidding to rest as part of our holy living. But what does this have to do with Jesus and his disciples? Jesus beckons to them after they have returned from the work that he had sent them to do to take a Sabbath, to have a time of rest and restoration. We all know what it is like to be in need of rest. And we all know what it is like to be searching for some form of restoration. We now use a word to describe this condition of not having the rest we need. Burnout. The disciples call to go and work and then return to Jesus to take their rest is similar to the call that all of us have. Go each day. Go to your labor. Do the best job you can with all your tasks but then take one day to rest. Take one day to remember God and his redemptive acts. Part of what is built into the Sabbath is a reminder to Jews, even today, that God freed them from the brutal whips of the taskmasters and of Pharaoh, from unceasing toil, in the land of Egypt. Sabbath is a recalling of the Exodus itself. For us as Christians, Sabbath includes a different redemption, the redemption of the whole human race, the whole cosmos, from the brutal oppression of sin and death and hell and the grave, that our Messiah, Jesus has won for us. Sabbath and resting is part of the foretaste of looking forward to a time of banqueting at the Supper of the Lamb, which we anticipate here each week. But if we are called to rest, then what does that rest look like? Well, first, it is absolute. Not running to the grocery store, not toiling in the yard, not working on the next project. Godly rest instead looks more like this. The reading and studying of the scriptures, both here and at home attending this liturgy and being refreshed by the prayers and by the Eucharist. Godly rest includes spending time with other Christians and socializing with family, friends, and guests. In a word, offering hospitality to others, which is part of the reason the idea of a Sunday meal after worship has been handed down for centuries. Rest is also shown by loving each other 
and not having strife in the home. And of course, godly rest includes sleeping. And as the psalmist reminds us, it is vain that you rise so early and go to bed so late. Vain, too, to eat the bread of toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. So often we talk about what Christians must do. They must evangelize. They must pray. They must read their Bibles. They must feed the poor, help the hungry, feed the hungry, help the poor, clothe the naked. And yes, we must do that. But we must also take our rest so we can continue to do all those things. But be careful. Resting is good. Becoming slothful and lazy is not. Resting, going away for a retreat, Taking time each week to refresh your body and your soul is a holy thing to do. But remember that when our Sabbath is over, we must begin the work again. Taking a Sabbath might teach us how to not only look after ourselves, but also how to look after others. Come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest a while. Then just a little later, our gospel says that Jesus came ashore from a boat and he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them. The disciples did their work. The disciples took what rest they could. And once it was over, both the disciples and Jesus returned to the work at hand. May we learn to do the same.